0: You're listening to US Gamer, and you've discovered
1: The Axe of the Blood God.
2: <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Axe of the Blood God. No, uh, Kat has not undergone a a wild vocal surgery to change her typical deadpan demure uh, (laughs) rhythms. Uh, It is your guest host, Anthony John Agnello, managing editor of Escapist magazine. Back in your life, Acts of the Blood God listeners. It's been a while since the last time Kat called me in to pinch hit for her uh, here on the show. But I, have, I am returned, and this is, this is going to be deja vu all over the place because there's another person here uh, who was a, a guest alongside me last spring, but uh, supporting us uh, all and, and making sure that we're in the, the proper acts of the Blood God mindset is the master herself,
1: Nadia Oxford. Yeah, you say, uh, like, support. I'm just waiting for this place to, to, like, spontaneously combust. I'm just, I'm rooting for it. <laughs> it's all
2: just, <laughs> it's the scene You're... from Silent Hill 2, You See the Flames too. Yeah. For me, <laughs> it's always like this. Wow! Uh,
1: Nadia, how are you living? Uh, I am living. Uh, we had a great PAX over at uh, US Gamer. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was very busy, but very fulfilling. And <laughs> I saw lots of cool games and uh, did lots of cool things. And, did you? Uh, how's... Did
2: you... Did you travel by airship to any of your traveling destinations? Was there, Uh, like, a weird Zeppelin-style balloon over whatever
1: was carrying you to the
2: United States?
1: uh, Unless, like, by airship you mean, like, a shitty RJ, yes. (sighs) It's just not the same. I I wish that there was a
2: role-playing game just once where you had to endure the actual indignities of air flight. (laughs) <laughs> it's like you've you've unlocked the, you've unlocked the airship finally and like this big heroic booming theme starts playing but then immediately somebody in a blue vest that smells like old cheese comes up and is like <laughs> take off your shoes hero
1: hero uh, <laughs> take off your belt i got no
2: I, I but my shoes are connected to like a corset that's holding <laughs> up my giant sword 50 can't. zippers you're gonna have to declare that. How many potions? Is this potion over three ounces? Yes.
1: Yeah, they were asking me, oh, like you know, is do you have anything over three ounces? What the hell is an ounce? I'm like, what the f is an ounce? I'm a Canadian. Why are you asking me <laughs> about ounces? Uh, <coughs> we're talking about milliliters, okay? An no, ounce. no, you gotta
2: you gotta come back to where it's goddamn medieval times with measurements mm-hmm. uh, in in every form here in the United States. That's how we measurements do it. approved by the king. Uh, we also have. Uh, Mr. John Learned himself, fresh off his U.S. Gamer review. Hello.
0: Hi, John. When I I get in my airship, I have to take off all 60 or 70 belts that Nomura put on me to get through (laughs) customs.
1: (laughs) (coughs) That means Nomura loved you the most if you have 70 belts. Mm -hmm. The
2: the, the real problem is that uh, there was a huge period of time where the TSA... Banned Nomura hairstyles because they could be used as a weapon. It's just too. (laughs) They still can. Yes. It's it's too sharp. No, they're all flowing now. Not true. We've switched over to the Final Fantasy 15 era. The only thing you could do with Ignis's hair from Final Fantasy 15 is use it as a good whisk for eggs. (laughs) I've come uh, up with a new recipe. I've come up with a new recipe. Uh, so, in the in the brief time since the last episode of X of the Blood God, there hasn't been too much exciting happening in the world of role-playing games. We're past the PAX East window, so things are a little bit chilled down. The only thing that uh, of note that happened was, <laughs> very, very briefly last week, uh, old Wario64 on Twitter. I don't think that there's anybody who listens to this show that isn't familiar with, with the Twitter soul, are we are, are we sure that Wario sixty four is an AI at this point? I am not person. sure. That
1: man is like uh, he's a machine. You should see him on Black Friday. I don't know how he survives each Black Friday. Yeah.
2: that's the thing. Like he's he is more he is more than human in all ways. But uh, Wario sixty four typically is there to to let people know about like deals on video games, but also covers press conferences and leaks that show mm. up in retail systems. And this one popped up in Best Buy, and it started so normal. It started so normal and logical when these late leaks hit Best Buy. They were like Metroid Prime trilogy for Nintendo Switch. Be like, okay, fine, yes, right, that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Everybody's thought that was coming, and then it was Persona Five for Switch. Which, which makes again, sense. Yeah, we all big, saw that
0: coming, too. We all,
2: we all saw that coming. There is not a single Persona game that hasn't received a portable entry of some kind. And then there was the curveball, which was The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Just for Nintendo Switch. And that as people... It's weird. It's weird. And as Wario64 immediately pointed out, this is a separate product listing
1: mm-hmm.
2: from... The remake of Link's Awakening that was announced in the Nintendo Direct a couple months back. Uh, Nadia, what the hell is this? Is this just is this just typical weird retail listings, or can you imagine a scenario where
1: something cool and some cool skullduggery is going on? I am hoping for school skullduggery uh, school callduggery because School uh... Uh...
2: <laughs> We finally what found I... Nadia's Star Wars name, everybody. <laughs> That's a good
1: one. Um, I would actually. I'm actually wondering. This is just my theory. Wondering if we're going to get an upgraded version, HD version of A Link Between Worlds, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. Uh, you know I, I can see some like you know Best Buy clerk putting that down as a link to the past because maybe they just you know don't really know any better or or whatever. But uh, A Link Between Worlds, of course, was an upgraded Link to the Past, and it's actually a really really good game. Um, I think it did uh, Link to the Past justice as. An upgrade, while at the same time really paying good tribute to the core of the game itself. Totally, Uh, I can't say that's what's going to happen or or what it's going to be, but uh, because otherwise, I'm kind of at a loss of what to say. This might be Um, my second best guess is that uh, maybe there's an important anniversary for link between. uh, Sorry, link to the past coming up. And we're getting like a, a physical release, the way we got a physical release on the Wii for Super Mario All Stars. Oh, that's an interesting. Which theory. was not a good collection, so I'm hoping they put more effort into yeah. that. If, they, if that's what's going on, that's my best guess. Because otherwise, I'd say, okay, well, we knew we know that Super Nintendo games are coming eventually to the Switch, but why would that be a best buy SKU?
2: Right. Yeah. So that's but,
1: that's all I can think of.
2: Well, I I had the exact same thoughts as you. Mm-hmm. And then my brain looked at it and said, Well, it's not like they're going to be remaking a Link to the Past. That doesn't make any sense. Plus, the studio that made the full remakes of Ocarina of Time and mm-hmm. Majora's Mask for three DS, Granzella is already hard at work on Link's Awakening. That's right, yes. And then I looked up, Granzella's not making the Link's oh, Awakening remake. Really? In fact, nobody seems to know what Grandzella is doing these days at all. <laughs> um, and I was like, you know what? I should go on the internet and just spread some nonsense rumors right now. But <laughs> I, 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 I would not be terribly surprised if Nintendo said, hey, we, we had some multi-million sellers with both Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. We have a studio that is doing great work with the series. Why don't we take this uh, this bigger, more famous game that's connected to Link's Awakening and we'll do a twofer. And we'll do mm-hmm. what, one remake of Link's Awakening that updates the original style. And why don't we do a big old Ocarina-style remake of Link to the Past? John, would you, would you be excited by the prospect of a 3D remake of link to the past, I'm conflicted. I'm not sure how I feel. No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean I am. Um... <laughs>
0: good sounds... discussion. Bye. Folks. All right, you know, no. this was a great podcast. Hard it's time. good to see you guys. Um, so I don't know. Like, I'm not certainly I'm not opposed to it, but at the same time, I I really like. I, I'm in love with that sprite work. I mm-hmm. really love the way that the game looks as it is. And and honestly, I. Um I think Nadia kind of you touched on this already that like be- because there was a link between worlds already we sort of know what that's going to look like mm-hmm. and if anything you know that engine e- exists what they used for link between worlds so it would just I'm sure it would be more work than this but like they can probably just reshuffle things around and kind of mm-hmm. rebuild the game f- somewhat easy I mean as opposed to just like totally starting from scratch so if it is real, that's probably my guess. They're gonna do a link, a link to the past in that link between worlds engine that already kind of exists and is out there. Um, but do I really want that? Not really, to be honest with you. Like, it's still gonna be a good game. It's not like they're gonna make garbage. But like, we already have a good game. I don't really know if I really want it that badly.
2: Yeah. I, like I, I a, as it.
0: a package deal, I think it would be kind of cool though. Like put yeah. that, put them like both in the same like retail package together i think that would be awesome but I'd buy it in a heartbeat absolutely yeah, yeah but you know i guess we're gonna find out i mean this could also just be some sort of like um fluke bad um you know somebody just not
2: yeah could just be
0: what it is yeah, that's, yeah that seems more likely to me oh big time. but but we'll find out
2: yeah this is this is baseless speculation right now that is that is based only only on the fact that i was like oh this studio is not doing the work that i thought that they would naturally be doing and what are they It's up to? not
0: baseless man Mario 64 usually doesn't get this stuff wrong it's true so yeah we'll so. True. he's usually
2: pretty on the he's
1: usually pretty on the ball yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah Nadia how about you how do you what what is the what is the words 3D remake of Link to the Past mean to you
1: uh sort of like sure why not but As I already said, we already have that in a way with uh, a Link Between Worlds, which was a great remake. And I feel like just doing a straight 3D uh, remake of a Link to the Past would would be a step down. Um, Mm -hmm. I would see it as kind of a novelty. Like again, if you're including it with a Link Between Worlds, uh, sorry, with a Link uh, Links Awakening remake, sure, by all means, I'd love to have that. But uh, I'm not gonna, probably not gonna go out there and spend like uh, too much money on a, you know, just a Link uh, to the Past with with 3D graphics that, again, as one of you already brought up. I'm my memory shot already. Uh, it's already a, a good-looking game. Yeah. On yeah. the Super Nintendo.
2: I, I I keep having like when I thought about it at first, I was like, yeah, that would be kind of cool if they just went ahead and did it from the ground up, like an Ocarina of Time or a Twilight Princess, I guess. And then I thought about what that would mean for drawing out all of like the little story beats that you have in Link to the Past. Can you imagine? How tedious and drawn out going to buy the flippers would be if it was yeah. done in an Ocarino time style. <laughs> You'd have to sit there and watch some like 45 second animation of the Zora opening his mouth, like. <laughs> blah, blah. <coughs> <laughs> ah. Just getting bored thinking about it already. Yeah. yeah but these but... things,
0: they do turn out good when yes. Nintendo does them. So, like. I don't know. Even if even if I'm like my snobbery about sprites is is coming out a little bit more than I feel that it should right now. Um, it's just knowing that like if it does come to pass, we're we're it's still going to be a good game. Yes. Yeah, and so, I'm, I'm
1: sure I can sit here and talk shit, but the second I see a trailer, I'm gonna be like, oh, right, you're now, exactly.
0: Yeah. I'm a hypocrite, just like everybody else. So and like, yeah.
2: I I say that I make that joke about how like drawn out everything would be. <laughs> I think playing Granzella's versions of Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask is such a better experience Oh, one hundred than playing the originals at this point that I can imagine them pulling that off, you know, using yeah. you know, using a decade of lessons of playing around in that style. It'd be pretty freaking cool. Especially
1: uh, Majora's Mask, I think, was like, uh, Ocarina of Time, I was like, eh, it's okay, sure, why not? But uh, Majora's Mask, I felt, was like really well done, the remake for that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, I, I not that long ago, uh, this past fall was the 20th anniversary of Ocarina of Time, uh, and I decided to go back and check out the, like, the original N64 version on an actual cart, and then to play the 3DS version just back to back to see how they felt. And at first I was like, ah, oh, this 3DS version, it's just cleaned up graphics, it's not that different. Mm-hmm. And then you go back to the N64 cart, which moves at what I think is 1.5 frames per second. <laughs> That sounds about right. <laughs> it renders like claymation from the 1920 <laughs> World's Fair. And you
1: you are like, oh, this is demonstrably better. This is demonstrably better. And it's better. also like kind of a lot more smudgy and dark on the N64. Way smudgy. Yeah. But
2: I, I personally like that. I like I, I guess I'm a weirdo that I like that N64 games look like oil paintings that somebody forgot in an old basement. <laughs> but
1: that is so a, a weird taste. It's just I guess is the most taste.
0: diplomatic way I've ever heard anybody describe it.
1: It just works. Yeah, for same. Me.
0: Good job. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: also, like Persona Five for Switch. Come on, guys. We stop. Yeah, stop jerking us around. It's gonna happen. Yeah. And I can't freaking wait. I'm I'm excited to play that game again because same. I I okay. I don't know about you. Did you did you both play Persona Four on PlayStation Two? Was that your first experience with that game? Yeah.
1: No, no my yeah, first that was game, yeah. my first was Four on the uh, the Vita. Oh, Vita, Golden.
2: really? Yeah. Uh, John, have you played both? Did you play Four and then the Vita version?
0: No, I didn't play the Vita version. Just Four.
1: Mm.
2: See, the funny thing is, is I played it on PlayStation Two and thought to myself, "I loved this. This is one of my favorite games I've ever made. I will never play it." again (laughs) Yes.
0: yes every persona experience for me has been exactly that like i really loved playing this game i'll never touch it again
2: never touch it again here is the remarkable thing about persona 4 golden for the playstation vita is there the difficulty balancing in that game allows you to play a version of it that essentially makes the game i think i complete it in 40 hours it mm. just, it, it more than halves the game by basically making combat not present. Yeah. Like, it, you still mm. have to go through the dungeons and you still mm. have to get into fights, but they can be played so quickly and, you know, so inconsequentially that they might as well not be there. And it effectively turns the game into a visual novel. And it's right. just like a very pretty visual novel. And it's amazing to me how well it works in that way, and man, if I can play Persona 5 a second time and it's just a visual novel and I can carry that experience out over the course of, like, I don't know, a year of lying in bed and being like, ah, time to knock out three minutes of Persona 5 before I pass out, Yeah, hell yes. Put it in my veins. Uh,
0: Friends of mine played Persona 5 that way. I played it on normal mode because I just thought... Yeah, so did I. I. I don't really... Adjust that typically, but like friends of mine that have lots of kids, they have no time to play video games. They they were buying it and they were playing it and getting through it faster than me. My lights just went off. <laughs> <laughs> it's on a motion sensor. Anyway. Um, laugh on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, so I'm like, how are you getting through this game? You've got like a set of twins and two other kids. You need to live. And, he, and he's like, I just played so it on easy mode. Yeah, right. I. Played it on easy mode, and I just, you know, I treated it like a visual novel, and I just muscled through it in a couple weeks. It wasn't that, it, you know, it's long because it's these games are meant to be long, but it wasn't right. that bad. It took me like a year of like slamming my face against that game for me to finally finish Persona <laughs> Five. It took
1: <laughs> four fucking
0: ever to finish that game. That is a long ass game. It's,
1: it's so long. Sure. That so and the uh, one major difference between uh, four and five is also four. You can really cheese through the dungeons because they're all uh, procedurally generated. Mm-hmm. Five, they're actually really well constructed, which is like really mm-hmm. cool for going through them. But um, if you're just looking to cheese through them, you really can't.
2: You can't at all. And like I'm, I, I'm glad that I did it. I'm glad that I went through Persona Five the you know the normal way. <laughs> uh, but I'm like I don't need to do that again. I don't need to see like. An underpants, uh, volleyball coach, you know, <laughs> so any more than I already have. I'm yeah, here for enough. the hot text message conversations and the music. That's what I'm here You, you for. know
1: what I love about that whole, that whole character? Um, okay. I can't remember the DC Douglas, I think is the name of the voice actor who does the, the pervy ass gym teacher. Mm. He's also the voice of, I don't know if you've ever heard of rescue bot, which is like a really cute, very kid friendly, uh, Transformers show. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He does chase on that show. <laughs> Alright, that's awesome. So I, I, just, oh, I just love no. the, that's... <laughs> the, the balance.
0: <laughs> Something just got ruined for, for John oh Anthony God. over here.
1: Oh, no. Uh,
2: now, next time I'm hanging out with my nephew, and he's like, let's watch Rescue Bots instead of Prime, I'll be like, no. <laughs> I don't want to now. Nadia, who do you want? Because Alright, so they're probably, if this comes to Switch, there's going to be the the goldenified version of this game, which means right. we're going to get a new character. There has been a teaser trailer for a new PlayStation 4 version of Persona 5 uh-huh. called The Royal. We see a new character there. Is that going to be it? I, I kind of, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about extra characters. I didn't even bother to get the new lady in Persona 4 golden.
1: I, oh, I totally dated her. Oh, did you really? I totally dated Marie. You yeah. liked her ska outfit? She was clearly her, her going to a Mighty Whitey Mighty S- Bostones show. <laughs> she totally was. She 100% was a ska outfit going on. She was like just like the angry uh, angry little lost girl sort of act and mm. her stupid crappy-ass poetry. I'm like, oh, that's terrible. I got I to gotta <laughs> hug you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't do... Hey, John, there's this extra character and persona for she's not totally human like uh, whatever his nose Eagle Beak Magic Guy who, who makes the Egor, contract with you Igor, e- 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 thank you Eagle Beak e- Magic e- Guy Beak. is
0: my uh, that's my that's a- internet name
2: that's where I, I write my nice slash
0: fiction Yeah, <laughs>
2: uh, he he's like yeah, this chick's kind of a persona she's kind of human, you take care of her and if you don't build your social link up with her enough you don't a get her as a playable character and you don't be get to access this huge optional dungeon and she's oh, wow, basically okay. just resigned to live in hell forever and i was like whatever <laughs> me and chie are going down to freaking beef bowl place i'll see you see you next see time ya. poor marie yeah I, I dissed her i dissed her pretty hard but
1: not poor chie not poor chie <laughs> G.A. came out on top, I guess. That's right. Mm
2: -hmm. We practiced kung fu together. It
1: was magical. Mm -hmm. Romantic. Uh, All right.
2: So we're going to leave the realm of speculation, and we're going to enter the realm of topics that nobody on the Internet has ever discussed in the history of the Internet. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, it's the year 2019, and I want to finally bring you a conversation about Final Fantasy VII. I know that... If you're listening to Axe of the Blood God, you've probably never heard of Final Fantasy 7. This was a game that came out for the original PlayStation, sold a couple of copies, and then nobody, and then it just disappeared into yeah, the ether. Nobody heard
1: of it after that. Well,
2: start over. What what game is this?
0: What are we talking about? T-
2: all right. John, <laughs> I want to tell you about a game. Lay it where on Where a me. young man with deep blue eyes and spiky blonde hair can go on a magical evening With a guy dressed like Mr. T if one of his arms was a gun. It is (laughs) special. Tell me more. What would you say if I said to you that you want to save a town that's being taken over by a horrible oil company, but if you're going to do it, you have to jump off a dolphin's face.
1: To Fuck get that to dolphin! Jesus Christ I just went through that That was such bullshit <laughs> you, know, just,
2: you just described the plot of Aaron Brockovich Until you you got to the dolphin That's right <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what it When you go to the Nintendo Switch eShop That's what it says for a review quote The Aaron Brockovich of video <laughs> game Of dolphin RPGs <laughs> <laughs> Nadia Oxford You are playing Final Fantasy 7 On the Nintendo
1: Switch I am How's, I am that, playing. how's it going in there for the most part it's going really well I have a um, I'm very fond of Final Fantasy 7 despite myself uh, I have a lot of nostalgia for it um, I like the characters even though I shouldn't uh, I and of course every everyone man and woman went through their Sephiroth phrase, uh, phase when they were younger <laughs> And yeah. I said to Kat, uh, we were talking about Final Fantasy 7 on the show a couple episodes ago. I'm like, yeah, well, you went through your Sephiroth phase, right? And she's like, yeah, of course I went through my Sephiroth phase. I'm like, it, it, it is one of those rites of passages that you go through. <laughs> it's actually a lot of fun to play it on the Switch. I have played it on handheld Hell before with the Vita, which is just you know downloading the uh, emulated mm-hmm. version of the game. But the Switch is kind of the improved version of the game. You have the updated graphics. You have... Um, what I'm really glad is that they got rid of that weird, those weird sex doll mouths that you get in like the PC version of the <laughs> oh, game. Oh, like, they got rid of those. They got rid of those. They're so
2: stupid. Oh, thank yes. God. That's awesome. I'm going to play this now.
1: Yeah. Uh, the only problem I have with it is that it has that damn square bug where you get into a random encounter, and when you leave the random encounter, the overworld music resets.
2: Wait, what?
1: Yeah, so... I like really really through the
2: whole game
1: through the whole game like if you're in a dungeon if you're in the overworld of course Final Fantasy 7 has one of the best overworld themes I think ever and it's a it's a long ass overworld theme so the fact that it has to restart every time you get into a, a random battle that bums me out
0: oh yeah that's a drag That's that terrible. Is a drag
1: and that is <laughs> uh, that's they had the same bug with Final Fantasy 9 for the switch and basically I think uh, it was the same bug in the PC version of uh, the Final Fantasy VII, so this isn't a new thing. It's just something they haven't bothered to fix, ever.
2: Wow, that is so bad. I. It's weird. There, I've read multiple review, uh, reviews, interviews, with uh, old Final Fantasy developers. Uh, there's actually a wonderful uh, Final Fantasy VI 25th anniversary in- interview with a few different staffers who mm-hmm. you don't usually hear from that's in Famitsu this week. Um, and one of the people they talk to is the sound programmer. So not Uematsu, this is the person who their entire job was sitting there and focusing on making the machine make the noises in the right way. The beeps and the boops. The beeps and the boops. And they talk about the fact that Sakaguchi was adamant that one of the things that they needed to make sure that, so the Super Nintendo has two CPUs, and they say, Mm. we need to make sure that we're utilizing both of those to make sure the music picks up exactly where it was supposed to pick up when you come out of a battle. And Uematsu apparently, when they were working on Seven, at first he was thinking to himself you know, I want to use real instruments this time. I want to have an actual Mm -hmm. band, orchestra playing a lot of these songs. And when he realized that the streaming of the music on the CD-ROM itself would be too data intensive, load times would be too intense, and he wouldn't be able to allow the overworld theme to come back seamlessly, he was like, well, MIDI it is. And so it's a a bummer to find out. That's a huge bummer then. Yeah, like one of these things that was so intentional about the... Mm. Aesthetic direction of the game is just diff. I, you're never going to get to the weird, meditative, creepy middle part yeah. of the overworld music, where it's just yeah. like nah. nothing says they, high quality podcast like vocalizing,
0: <laughs> like vocalizing, <video> <laughs> music. Final
2: no, keep, music. Keep going. You're, you've
0: almost hit that one, that one. There you
2: go.
1: Nah, 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 nah,
2: nah. No, I, I'm sorry, I went too far. And they actually
1: use the overworld theme to great effect um, when. Uh, Cloud's going back over his life and kind of finally yeah. discovers who he is. They actually mm-hmm. use it really well there. And so I, it's uh, one of my favorite overworld themes. And so I'm, I'm bummed out. That's not a, that's not the case. See, I didn't know that about Final Fantasy VI. That's really interesting. Isn't that really and interesting? And I can see why he did it because um, Final Fantasy IV, which I love, uh, resets the music every time you get out of a, a, a battle. And if you are going through the freaking uh, moon, you know, moon dungeon... Where it has like you know those big A crescendo at the start. Yeah. that's the kind of music that would make my father tell me to t- turn off the fucking game already because he can't stand the sound anymore. <laughs> but Dad, is really good. No, he's not. Oh my
2: god, uh, so you've made it! You've made it to the dolphin portion of the game. You've yes. made it to the dolphinarium. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I can't remember how far outside of Midgar that is. Is that two towns in? Have you already? Told everybody about Tifa's cowboy hat past, or no? Yes, yes. Uh, right. I've
1: already told the liar version of Tifa's uh, cowboy uh, hat past, yeah. and uh, you do that, and then you're on to I think Junon, which is where you make make friends with Mister Frickin' Dolphin. Mister, who dolphin. doesn't have the sense to move on out of Junon, which is polluted as hell. Just he there. just wants, you know, big brain mammal right there.
2: <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to tell that dolphin how to live his life, but like. You get a submarine in this game. There's clean water elsewhere. You get to see it with your own eyes. Just go somewhere else. Go somewhere yep. else. Stupid dolphin.
1: Just piss off.
2: Uh, <clears throat> I have not played this game, start to finish, in ten years. At this point, I wow. I would uh, I you know I feel like anybody who talks about Final Fantasy VII on the internet today needs to equivocate. And they're like, yes, it was important at the time. may have aged. I still have fondness. Uh, The key word is always, Nadia, you used it, nostalgia. Uh, I unequivocally love Final Fantasy VII. I love the music. Mm -hmm. I love the story. I love the way it looks. I think it plays really well. But that memory is based on a run-through on PSP. When Beautiful. they first hit, uh, sent it to PlayStation Network back at E3 2009. And that was like Sony's last ditch effort in 2009 to be like, I swear to God, guys, we, we're <laughs> going to make it up to you. It's going to be OK here. You can play Final Fantasy VII on that yeah. thing. It's going to be OK. Here's the last Guardian trailer. That really bit them in the ass. Come out I <sighs> didn't go. Didn't go great for him. But I I adored it at the time and I was impressed with how well it held up and I, I messed around a little bit with that PC port when it hit PlayStation 4 mm-hmm. in 2015 I want to say Yeah
1: uh, about 2015 2014. Yeah. But I haven't
2: I haven't gone back and gone the distance in a really long time and I you know I it's funny I was planning on picking up this version uh, but now that you told me that I don't know if I'm gonna like the the music is I'm embarrassed to admit, like forty percent of the reason that I
0: go no, back I, to a I Final agree. Fantasy game. Well, it's part of the experience, right? And like, it, it
1: absolutely is
0: alters your experience, especially in a way that you know you're not going to like. That's
2: a pretty hard sell. Big, big, very hard sell. Very hard sell. Uh, John, when was the last time you played Final Fantasy VII? Uh, probably ten years, I
0: think. I, um, you know, when I first played Final Fantasy VII when it was brand new. Um, I got bored with it and kind of put it down halfway through. Huh. And so I, I picked it back up and eventually finished it, but I think I bought and sold that game like four times, maybe. <laughs> and um, so like, and I was kind of a hater for a long time, too. I played 8 later and I played 9 and I liked them both, but I kept thinking, Final Fantasy 7's only okay. I don't get why people like this game so much. And then like... I had some time on my hands, like maybe ten years ago, and I played all three of the PlayStation ones back to back in a summer, wow, and I was neat. pleasantly surprised. But by how well Seven had held up, and I, I kind of came back around to it. And um, but I mean, it's still been a long time. I don't really remember a whole lot of the finer details anymore. Um, like the Dolphin, that doesn't ring about to me whatsoever. <laughs> well, right you now, you remember
1: the damn Dolphin if you start playing well, it again. Will
0: I? It's will it like. The
2: the PTSD they don't hit you like will a hit me. Cold
1: ice wall in your
2: face. <laughs> you That's do, the cold shower. You actually do have to jump off its face. Like there's like okay. a timed, timed button pressing mechanic where you have to jump off its dome. Yeah, that yeah. sounds.
0: I mean the the things that are like burned into me are like the burning of Niflheim and mm-hmm. you know That's looking cool. at the the cutscene where you see the the like the full body Genova or is it? I don't really remember anymore. Um... Things like that, like the big stuff that people remember. Mm-hmm. But like, oh, and the um, um, the tower defense portion.
1: Yeah, with oh, the phoenix yeah. egg, super yeah. sucks. Sucks. It's terrible. Sucks. Yeah. I, I I usually <coughs> just play the first one because you get a magic comb for red thirteen, and then you can uh-huh. leave it alone until the end of the game.
0: Yeah, that's, I think that in the times that I've played it, that's exactly what I did. Like, that's enough of this. I can move on.
2: (laughs) Exactly. I gotta tell you, I've never, ever in my life done any of, like, the hardcore Final Fantasy 7 things. I've never, you know, gotten Knights of the Round. I've never beaten all of the weapons. I'm like, I don't don't think, I don't think I'm here for the masochistic aspect.
1: Oh, I I definitely did the Breeding of the Chocobos. Oh, Uh, really? I did. I sat there for 10 hours because I think I realized when I loaded up uh, disc 3, I realized they dropped me off on Sephiroth's front porch. And I'm like, okay, good luck. I'm like, I'm not going in there. So <laughs> <laughs> I backtracked and I went to uh, the Chocobo stable. and I just kind of bred Chocobo for 10 hours. And uh, I didn't beat Ruby or Emerald Weapon, though. I just couldn't do it.
2: Yeah, couldn't, couldn't couldn't get to the point where it's like every single time I'm attacked, I counter with three Ultimas
1: and that's how it's done. Yeah. yeah, you really got to have, like, your party built up the right way for that shit. None I'm not that.
0: smart enough to figure that junk out, man. Yeah. I, I, no, I mean, I, I've played plenty of Final Fantasy games and have beaten other super bosses, but, like, at a certain point that kind of feels like spreadsheet gaming.
1: Yep. It does. Yeah, You
0: know what I mean? So, so. it's fun, but, like, yeah, I, I'll never get around to doing that in my
2: <laughs> game. Never, ever. <laughs> I, uh, it's, it's, I, I didn't... Totally understand RPGs. When I played Final Fantasy 7 for the first time, I had the the winter before it came out. I I really played the first one I'd ever played, which was Chrono Trigger, mm, a- and then mm. uh, way I, to start at the top. I, yeah, I well, yeah. I, I this was this was not a good precedent setting because I played Chrono Trigger and I was like, well, that was the greatest thing that's ever happened to me that wasn't a human being, and. <laughs> I need more of that, and then the next one I played was just on a lark, because it was $15 at Toys R Us, was Suikoden 1, and I was like, well, this is, God, this is even better! That blonde butler dies! And I was like, this, I just need to keep doing this, and then right about Final Fantasy 7, I was like, this is gonna be the big shit, and the problem is, is Chrono Trigger and Suikoden, amazing games, not mechanically complex. You can just no. march over those games. Yeah. And so Seven, when I got to that third disc, Nadia, get to the, the, the Sephiroth battle, my highest level character was Cloud, and he was level 42. Oh dear. And the nearest person was Tifa, who I insisted on using, and she was a piping hot level 35. <laughs> Jeez. And so right. I just threw myself against uh, Sephiroth repeatedly. Until I managed to just get through it once on accident without just getting <laughs> obliterated by Supernova. <laughs> and I still, yeah. like, every now and again, I still have that save file, low these many years later. And every now and again, I'm looking at it and I'm like, that, how did that. How did you how did do, do that? Do even like,
1: how did even do the, that? the crater has some really bitchy bosses that oh, like you, you have the you Iron run. Giant. You run from
2: every single one. Uh, oh, I would Jesus. not get in a single fight until Genova. And then you fight Genova, and then the first Sephiroth, and then. Sephiroth.
1: Right, okay, yeah, yeah this, there's like the dark dragon, the zombie dragons, there's some dangerous shit down there.
2: Yeah, you this just This cannot run. be a,
0: an uncommon story too, like you know, a lot of people yeah. just weren't playing RPGs back then, so I'm sure a lot of people were sort of in the same boat. I like, just didn't get it. I Absolutely. stumbled my way to the end of the game and I I can't get past it, I don't know what to do. Yeah, And like, you don't want to like sit people down and be like, well you gotta grind for six or seven more hours and then you'll figure it out, but I mean, figure
2: it out. Yeah, and no. like it, it is slightly disingenuous to say that the Chrono Trigger is the first one I ever played because, uh, like, like an old which I am, I had Dragon Quest one from Nintendo Power, and yeah, like sure. watched my brother play through that as a as a wee lad. But even that was just we found a way to cheese it. We're like, mm-hmm. oh wait, this is where you can just go find uh, the Erdric's armor. And it's like, yeah. oh, now we could just heal our way through the game. We didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know that Supernova was going to be a thing.
1: <laughs> it sure was. Uh, and if
0: all you know is Dragon Quest, which is which is a game that you can just like keep throwing yourself at yeah, until you absolutely. win. I mean, you, you'd never figure out that any other RPG is like yeah. not supposed to be played that way.
2: At all. Uh, speaking of the right way to play things and yeah. throwing yourself at them like a wall. Segway John, You like that segway? That is That is We could We could ride around on that Like Joe Bluth Uh <laughs> John Lerdon Lay 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 The science on me About Sekiro You and I had very different experiences That uh, intersect I think we were a Venn diagram Of experience With Sekiro's Shadows I- Dying
0: Actually disagree. I think you and I had very similar experiences, and Ooh. I think a lot of people that review games like that have experiences like that. Yes. Like mm. so everybody to sort of dispel any myth that you may have, like working in the games press, reviewing games kind of sucks. It's cool because like someone's paying you to play video games, right? But right. like most of the time what happens is that a um, a publisher gives gives an outlet codes to play the game. They get a free copy of the game. Those outlets give them to their freelancers or their staff writers, but usually that's only a week before something comes out. Yes. Now, people uh, muscle their way through games as quickly as they can within that, that brief span of time. And one week for somebody playing an Octopath Traveler or a Sekiro or whatever, <laughs> it's not... That's not that much. I mean, you have other work that you have to do if you're writing for an outlet like Nadia. It's not like you're just sitting around playing the game, that one game, all day long.
1: No, you can't. No.
0: You can't. And I work full-time. I, like, I'm a freelancer. I've got a full-time job. Like, the freelancing thing's kind of my side hustle. So it's not like I could just, you know, play a video game all day long either. So you really have to sort of make some sacrifices mm. to get as far as you can in a game as possible. And, like, for me, I actually got sick that week that Sekiro was out, and I was happy that I could spend extra time with it, uh, ironically. Um, some people I know that, like, they straight up take days off of work so they can review video games on the side, and not everybody can pull that off. Right? It's a, it's a hard gig, and it's a lot of late nights, it's a lot of missed sleep, and so, when you're playing something like Dark Souls or Sekiro or a new um, uh, a new Final Fantasy or a new Dragon Quest, like that's a lot of hours you have to put in. And in Anthony, in your case, your review you hit it on the head, man. Like you might re- like this game and respect it from afar, but you might kind of hate your time with it.
2: Yeah, and and, mm. and I came from a I came at it from a very different place than you, John. And th- this is a. You know, we're talking about like the time that you get these things. Not everybody gets access to games at the same time, right? You know, right. I, I did get my copy of Sekiro before release, but it was here's your code. The embargo is tomorrow morning,
1: so right. it was, was like, all right, right it,
2: what in order well, to hit the review embargo, I would need to <coughs> magically find a way to beat this game. between 3 p.m. in the afternoon and 11 a.m. the next day. Get Superman
1: to turn the globe backwards.
2: Exactly, exactly. Like, I would have to burn my hand in a fire at Niagara Falls, and Margot Kidder would have to see it happen, and I would have to be like, no, Margot Kidder, I'm not Superman, and she would be like, kiss me in an ice castle. No, this is... I'm not
0: Superman. I'm just reviewing a video game. Just
2: reviewing a video game. But like, like at that point, it's, oh, well, I'm not going to be able to hit this in the exact window. So right. now I have the luxury of more time. But then you're in that awkward situation of, like, well, it needs to be hitting at a point where I, I have more time to tackle this than, say, you did, John. But at the exact same time, I have a limited window that says, you need to hit this within the the realm of the conversation it needs to right it needs
0: to be part of the conversation right, right. you can't we, like you know i i was very lucky that um i was given a longer window than like finish this immediately get it done by the end of the weekend kind of thing exactly um i mm-hmm. i was really really lucky like that um i don't know how how lucky other reviewers were at other outlets um so but you still want to finish it within a, a span of time where like not only is it just part of the, the zeitgeist still, and the part of the conversation, but like something that's going to give your site traffic if you're working for a video game site, because a lot Absolutely. of times reviews don't push traffic that much either. No,
1: they don't. People don't know that. Yeah, yeah.
0: So it's um, it's it's a tough proposition, and you know I. I give a lot of credit to Hirun, actually, Crier the the um, guides uh, editor. Oh, guides
1: dude, yeah. Yeah,
0: he and I went tandem with this. So he got a code so he can write his guides, and he and I right. basically like spoke on Twitter for like a week straight. Like, how did mm-hmm. you beat this guy? Where did you find this thing? So he and I sort of did it in tandem, and I don't have to be as thorough as a guides writer. I just have to yeah. make it. And and I swear to God, that guy killed himself to play this game. Like yeah. I, oh yeah,
1: absolutely. I Guys, did that dude, lot a lot of credit. Gig, man.
0: That is a rough gig. You're right. So, um, and I was—that's super lucky too, because like I had somebody else to sort of like bounce ideas off of. Like we could yes. help each other through this. Like you, with Sekiro, because there's no multiplayer option, you can't like beg other players to bail you out. But at least I had that, and that that made right. the whole experience a lot easier to take.
1: You had a therapy
2: group, like a little <laughs> hug group there. Right,
0: right. Right. I
2: think something that is beneficial about reviewing a role-playing game specifically (coughs) is that you can uh, there is almost no role-playing game that you're going to be able to in the classical consumer report sense of like a consumer guide product review style review. There's no RPG that almost anyone is going to be able to see the totality of before publishing the review. In the the modern age, that's Mm -hmm. because of DLC and expansions. Mm-hmm. The game is not finished when it comes out. Right. Uh, and back in the day, it's an issue of secrets. It's about things that you don't scope. know. Yeah, right. scope. Yes. Uh, there is no one that reviewed <laughs> Final Fantasy VII in 1997 that's being like, you know what? This was an 8.5 until I finally crushed Emerald Weapon 800 <laughs> hours later, and now it's an 8.7. Like, that, yeah, that exactly. shit doesn't happen. Uh, with RPGs, it's part of the reviewing process is this very ephemeral thing where you have to say, "Do I do I know this game now? Do I mm-hmm. know this game's soul?" And you know, for me, one of the very first professional reviews I ever wrote, I consider the worst thing I've ever written. <laughs> I, I think I've told you about this before, John. But yeah. Nadia, this is a tragic part of my past. <laughs> oh dear! I gave the original Near a C plus. Oh my! Because you're still alive. Because well, here we go. I'm telling I'm telling RPG fans what I did. This is for the Onion AV Club when the game came out, and I gave it that score because I only saw Ending A. I didn't, you didn't know. know. You didn't know. didn't know. I didn't know. Okay. How was I yeah. supposed to know? Who, there was nothing in, like, the crap, like, mm-hmm. four words, go to this FTP server for screenshots. There was nobody else out there the week before that game came out being like, yo, dog, you didn't see the text adventure that will come up when <laughs> the multiple personality hermaphroditic immortal warrior has to confront the ghosts in the forest. Like, what? I don't... what? What? <laughs> Obviously. Like, hey, That's a sentence. I had no I had no way of knowing that, and so I judged as I could based on what I saw. But like that was an object lesson for mm-hmm. not just reviewing RPGs, but all games after that, you sort of need to make sure that you've done the due diligence not to see everything, but to know the game. Yeah, absolutely. Nadia, you've you consistently tackle monster RPGs for reviewing. I don't know
0: how you do it, Nadia.
2: Yeah, like I, the one that immediately sprung to mind is you reviewed Dragon Quest 11 Oh yeah, for US Gamer and Dragon Quest Eleven. I adored that game, but I started that game on launch day and I finished it on January fifteenth.
1: That is a nice, long it's a huge game. ass game, isn't it? Uh,
2: how do you how do you approach something like Dragon Quest Eleven when you sit down to review it?
1: Uh, it's a funny thing, like, with Dragon Quest XI, I just remember loving it so much that I just had to be playing it when I had a <coughs> moment. And it just didn't really feel so much like, you know, a chore. Although, saying what you were saying about, like, you know, uh, knowing a game's soul before reviewing it, it does remind me how uh, another outlet that I won't name here and now uh, got someone, a freelancer, to review Dragon Quest XI for them who was like, Why am I playing this game with menu-based controls? What is this? What, You know, C+, and I was so pissed off. I was like, okay, you don't necessarily... How did they not know what they were getting into? It's like, okay, fine, let's say you're not a a hardcore Dragon Quest fan. Sure, I understand. A game has to stand (laughs) on its own merits, but at least know what you're looking at before... Like, I don't like sports games. Yeah. Don't send me to review a sports game. I'm going to be like, oh, you kick the ball. It's great.
2: Unless that's no. the angle. Like, like there's a scenario and I think that there's, like, oh, value absolutely. in saying somebody like you, Nadia, like, you, your experience is in this realm. If you wanted to present a wildly different take on FIFA right. and say, like, this is what the experience would be like if you get curious. That's valid. But, like, sitting right. there and mm-hmm. of course. indicting a game for being something it's not is stupid
1: yeah it really is uh so yeah reviews are are very complex very time consuming and i just uh that's why i just hope and pray to god that everything goes on switch because <laughs> it's so easy for me, for me to play a switch game versus night and day exactly night mm-hmm. and, day. and especially like you know we have one hd television in the house my husband you know what likes to watch tv um that's a PlayStation four it's hooked up to that same TV. So right. Yeah. You know, switch is like, it's right there. I can, you know, when I feel like just kind of kicking back for a few minutes, I, just, I can play the game.
0: Right. Well, I mean, that was my experience. Well, that's all of my, my experiences reviewing games too, unless it's on a handheld, like I have a wife, I have a three year old, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, I, I can't, I ex- expect to have all of the TV time, you know, especially in the evening. So like my time playing games is like after nine o'clock when people go to bed and, and I have a very understanding wife, but again, I'm just lucky with that. Like I don't get to Mm -hmm. be territorial with that television. So Yeah, reviewing games is—it's—it's it's a rougher gig than I think people give it credit for, especially for how That's little r- return you get out exactly.
1: of it. Exactly. That's why you know, as you know, John, we try to give it to freelancers when we can. <laughs>
0: yeah, and hey, and I'll take them. That's <laughs> yeah. perfectly fine.
1: I mean,
2: like um, the, the other thing is, it is very much about outlet. You know, it is about who you're writing for, what your platform is. Something I love about US Gamer is that US Gamer was founded and you know under the stewardship of cat and yourself and mm-hmm. mike nadia it is you know leaned into its original mission from six seven years ago at this point which was drill down into this one very sort of specific vein of uh player this is the audience yes. we know who our audiences they care about classic gaming they care about role-playing games they care about single-player games and We're going to still cover the rest of the industry and do guides and reviews and that sort of thing, but we're going to constantly be making sure that what we do is within the lens of that audience member.
1: Yes, absolutely. And that
2: being said, like I feel like the reviews that run on US Gamer, like the reviews that I've been drawn to uh, this spring, like you know, I made sure that the moment Katie's review of uh, Kingdom Hearts three was up, I was there reading that. When John's review of Sekiro's (laughs) I uh, I'm going to read that because I am that audience, right?
1: Yes. And yes.
2: you know, for Escapist when I'm writing a review, the like Escapist is thinky. It's it's the mm-hmm. weird let's all go out and stare at the night sky and then talk about what it all <laughs> means outlet. <laughs> and so when I'm sitting there writing a review, my review is going to be uh, what is the soul of this thing? and I'm just going to sit there and obsess about what is its soul and you know that's that's two different types of audience and why would any of the three of us sit there and say oh well let's break our backs to do the consumer report style review Mm -hmm. especially when like guess what IGN exists it's it's existed for 20 years I'm glad
0: that sort of review style is dying personally and I and that's why I think that sites like US Gamer and just the way it's always been with you, um, mm-hmm. that you you have the personality of the writer is, is, is guiding the review. Mm-hmm. Not should I right. play this game or not, but like I want to know if Nadia likes the new Dragon Quest game. That's not and a yes. foregone conclusion. And when, especially when you read the reviews of games that, like, that a Nadia would like, you are going to find things about a game you might love that she didn't love so much or or likes better than, than somebody else. I think the personality of the writer is is super important in review writing now. And Yes, I think so too. And I that's why I think it's it's a pleasure that we have sites like US Gamer and Escapist by extension even though yeah, you, the way you got you you do things are different. But the difference is is part of what makes it great too. Like if I'm reading 6 Kingdom Hearts for reviews, right. I'm doing it because I want to read different people's interpretations on them for different reasons. Yeah, so, and, like, and,
2: and all three of us are are writing in spheres that are catering to people who already know about the existence they, of these Yes, right. They already know they exist, right. they already know what they like in video games. They know that they like video games. So, of course we're going to offer them something different. I I am with you John. Like I'm really glad that these like the consumer report style review is dying, but I don't <laughs> ever want it to go away forever. You know, I think that there's value in that to a certain type of person because it allows and especially because of the scale that somebody that works in that format can work in. You know, like I used to write mm, reviews yeah. for Digital Trends and it was like i often had to like sort of force my brain into the mindset of the person who's like yeah. i want to know what it is i want to know how long it is i want to know right. if it's a good use of my money and time yeah i've written reviews like that and it is just a different mindset it's just a different mindset and there's utility in that because it like in an outlet like that you are providing a service to the person who doesn't know about that thing right
0: at the macro scale yeah
2: (laughs) they're sitting there looking at the taboola recommended article ads at the bottom and they're like a side (laughs) berries are gonna cure cancer that's what's crazy (laughs) holy shit but then at the side they're gonna be like what's bayonetta 2 and maybe they'll click on it and they need service too I if really they see hope her boobs, those people click on it. <laughs> I'm
0: telling you, I really hope those people clicked on that bayonet <laughs> too bad. Yeah. The, they,
2: <laughs> they had a great weekend. That person yeah, right. <laughs> That person they had a had, lot to learn. They had a kick ass time is what that person had. Uh, you know, John, before we, we disappear from the subject of reviews entirely, uh, now that you actually have some distance from Sekiro, you've had a, a little bit of time. Uh, After going the distance with it, how are you feeling about it afterwards? Because that's another thing about reviews that I feel like people Mm. don't totally understand is Mm -hmm. that when you publish a review, when you write a review, that is a reflection of a specific moment in time. That's how you feel. Then I felt Mm -hmm. like near deserved a C plus because I was 28 and stupid. And no, you weren't <laughs>
0: stupid. You were you were ignorant of what the game really was. It's yeah, not God. your fault. Not. I,
2: I don't blame you at all for that. Yeah, this is, this is the best sequel to Goodwill Hunting of all time. Goodwill Hunting <laughs> Two. That near review isn't your a fault. near review. Don't say that to me, John. Don't.
1: Say,
2: <laughs> it's not your fault, Anthony. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, reviews are uh, in many ways as much as a game a time capsule and even mm-hmm. even a couple weeks out i find that opinions <coughs> change thoughts change how are you feeling about the game um
0: i feel as though i scored it pretty fairly like um like when i do re- this here's a little bit more inside baseball than people really want to know that like us gamers on technically a 10 point scale right like mm-hmm. there's the numbers and then the the point fives and i try my hardest when i write a review for y- for you all to have it as a single number. So for me, I try to put it on a five-point scale, unless unless I really feel that it deserves that other half number, right? Right. And I feel the four out of five in this case was was the right move because I, I, now that I've been through the game almost twice, because um, the second run through it is a, substantially easier than the first. Um, I mm-hmm. feel the back half of that game is kind of, it, it's got a lot of problems and even though it's a it's a cool game to play now that I've got some distance and can see like the design like as a, as a whole, kind of like look at the, the forest for the trees now um, yeah I, I think that it's a it's a cool game that does cool things, um, I don't say I'm not going to say I never want to play it again but like it, it doesn't really draw me back like I thought it would and um, I, I feel I was pretty fair and Um, I'm kind of guessing. I'm kind of wondering. My light went off again. Um, Yeah. I'm kind of wondering. As
2: soon as John said, I thought it was fair the lights went out and a a ninja appeared behind John. Yeah.
0: It's Miyazaki himself (laughs) just stabbing me in the neck. Um, I'm really curious what, like, other reviewers are going to feel six months from now because the game got, like, overwhelmingly positive reviews, and it deserves them, but, like, any game that gets crazy good reviews like that, I think we should just round six or seven people up like a year from now and really sit down and, and, and go over it with a finer-tooth comb. We like, call now that, we call got that the distance.
2: Bioshock Infinite Law. That's the Bioshock right. oh, God, Infinite right. Law. Yes. I don't um, think it's going to get that kind of heat.
0: <laughs> I, I, I'm curious what other people are going to think a little while from now.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. When I review a game, I definitely try to sit there, and especially if it's a scored review. I want, I want that score to reflect... Like, I, you know, not to sound as pretentious as I actually am, but it's going to happen anyway. I want the score to reflect that soul of the thing. And I, I gave Sekiro an incredibly high score. Uh, I gave it an 8 out of 10. And I, that followed the phrase, I hate Sekiro's Shadows Die Twice. <laughs> but, like, it, it's funny that, that that score for me is a reflection of, not just of the game's quality, but how I, I think that game achieves its artistic ambitions. And the flaws of that game are included in that summation. I think that a, a score... Like, I, I think of a score less of a, a reflection of, like, this is the thing that it did well. This is the thing that it did badly. So much as a, you know, uh, like all things that feel living and breathing... A game is defined by its flaws, mm-hmm. and the flaws in Sekiro, and you and I discussed these on a stream recently, John, at length, uh, I feel like some of the flaws make that game what it is, right? Like, it is it is what it is because of those. Not yeah, yet. Is there any game that you have reviewed and applied a score to that you thought to yourself later on, I wish I could change that?
1: I know I'm perfect. Uh, I never have any second thoughts. (laughs) It's
2: never happened. Every Pokemon game Nadia has ever reviewed, locked in stone, definitive.
1: There are a lot of mobile games I reviewed back in the day that uh, I look back and be like, you know, wow, I I probably shouldn't have given it such a good score. But uh, I I can't think of any off the top of my head, to be honest with you. I'm not like the, the primary viewer in... At US Gamer, mm-hmm. I mean, I think back to like, for example, the um, the review for Dragon Quest XI, which I think I gave a perfect five, and I think I still agree with that. Yeah. It's, uh, I think about it, it's like, okay, well, I am excited to play the game again when it comes out on Switch, especially since there's going to be new content for it. I'm not like, oh god, here I go again. Even right. though we're talking about a hundred hour game, so um, I I try to like uh, give a good score from the you know like what I feel in, inside like from the get-go, which I know is a really cheesy phrase, but um, I, I try not to give out scores that I'll regret later. I do admit sometimes I can be a little easier. Mm. Um, Mike's the same way. Uh, I, I'm a bit of a softie, but uh, I don't give out scores that I don't believe in, that's for sure. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, and
0: it's hard man. to, um, like, give a game a... It's hard to give a game a, uh, not a low score. Well, it's, you know, when you... Think that you were going to have a controversial score like a perfect five, or Mm -hmm. like when Katie interviewed or um reviewed um Horizon and she didn't like it that much, she took a a lot of shit for that unnecessarily. I think I don't like that game either, and I don't blame (laughs) her. I don't, (laughs) there you go. I only think it's okay, and I think her score was fair, but like it's for it was the end of the world for for a writer, yeah. For a reviewer, it's it's kind of hard to kind of like go outside of of that like one spectrum where people sort of expect reviews to be yes because you don't want to take anybody's shit but you got to be honest right yeah absolutely
1: yeah Yeah, no that's uh and of course i i know how much work goes into a game i don't want i would when i write reviews even if it has to be a bad review i'm never mean i don't believe in being mean yeah you know even though i still be as diplomatic as possible you still once in a while get developers who like really take it personally that you didn't like their game and this was a big thing in the mobile space really uh, i had one guy tell me i ruined his life so oh,
2: <laughs> yikes
1: yeah so i was like oh, dude I, I didn't call you a fucking asshole or anything i just said you know <laughs> this game your sucks. game's not good here's the problems and here here's some free advice how you can fix you it if just you want
0: being honest right you did what you yeah. were supposed to do
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, but some people just take it very personally. I know for all the complaints you get about how, uh, oh, game reviews are broken, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, look what happens to someone like Katie who says, oh, I didn't like this very much, and she gives it what she thinks was a fair score at the time, and for weeks she suffers harassment for that because it, it's just stupid. If you like want us to be big boys and girls, then you have to treat us all like big boys and girls. And you got to behave like big boys and girls. You really do. No, you right.
0: do Don't girl. go looking for people's reviews just to fight with them. Like, they, they are opinion. If you really want to agree with somebody else's opinion, there's plenty of other websites that you can be looking at. So
1: Pretty much, yeah. Just, eh. yeah. Sorry.
2: Uh, <laughs> this is, the not being mean in review, my wife still uh, gives me grief for the review. This was at Digital Trends back in 2014. Reviewed the first The Evil Within and the quote was Shinji Mikami's first directorial effort in a decade is almost pitiable in its attempt to recapture past (laughs) magic. And she was like like, I didn't need to call him pitiable. (laughs) And I was like fuck this game forever. Stupid the evil within. I hate it so much.
1: (laughs) Pitiable. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's pretty funny. But
2: again I had to, to hit embargo I had Friday to Monday morning Got, right. a, got a shotgun that game all in one right. sitting. And that Put on that coffee 8,000 years long. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, everybody, I think that brings us to the end of this uh, episode of Axe of the Blood God that the three of us have stewarded it across the finish line. Uh, Nadia, what you, what's going on at US Gamer that you want to draw people's attention to?
1: Uh, we are currently on fire. Uh, everything is dying. No, just kidding. Uh, oh. Kat is on vacation for the week. And so we're just kind of, you know, holding up the fort while she's gone. Uh, lots of cool stuff going up. Uh, the topic that we discussed about uh, Final Fantasy VII and the music bug, uh, I wrote a piece about that. It's not up right now, but of course, through the magic of the internet and time travel, it will be up by the time this um, this episode goes up. Uh, otherwise, I have a game preview that will be... Uh, Hosted by the time this uh, episode is up, and uh, I am just like not selling anything because everything's in the past by this point. <laughs> okay. uh, so hopefully, you've enjoyed it. Happy ingestion. What is that?
2: What is since the embargo will be up? What's the game preview?
1: Oh, you got a point there. It's going to be it's a uh, it's a uh, 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 ancestors. Humankind Odyssey. Oh,
2: dip! You got that desolate. Oh, yes,
1: yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god! Shh.
2: It's it's being a monkey, the sands of time. I am very excited be- about this being a game. monkey,
1: the sands of time. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah, how
2: how's it feel?
1: It is a very strange game. I really like it because I'm the kind of person who uh, likes to wait. Let me think. Is this yeah? Okay, it'll be embargoed by now. It'll be up by now. Uh, I'm the kind of person who likes to fart around in a game, and this is kind of like well, farting around the game because you are a monkey. You are discovering what you're capable of. You are building up your clan. Uh, it is quite open-ended because that's the way he designed it. Uh, yeah, you'll, it's hard to describe. I'll try to describe it better in, in like my actual preview materials. Uh, I did have like a nice conversation with the who's the second guy in charge? Jean Francois, Jean Francois, J.F. as I call him, because uh, he also was born in Toronto and uh, grew up kind of in the same hood I did. So we were like, you know, that's talking cool. shit about people from Brampton. I so,
2: know <laughs> that means anything to any of you Well that's awesome I cannot wait to read that And I, I, I'm so excited about that I'm so excited that game is finally happening uh, And where can the people find you On the internet otherwise You want to point them to your twitter <laughs> handle
1: yeah, p- uh, Twitter handle is Nadia Oxford One word, pretty easy to, to suss
2: out. Nadia Oxford And you can also follow US Gamer At US Gamer, yes, Nut, Gamer All Nut. one word John Learned, yes. where can the people find you? What do you want to point them to?
0: Uh, you can read my Sekiro review and my Sekiro uh, spoiler fact on usgamer.net. They're both, they've are both they both been posted for a couple weeks now. Um, now that we've been talking junk about like how little traffic reviews generate, <laughs> you should go give them traffic, <laughs> please. Um, please. Please. Please, please. Um, you can find me on Twitter at John underscore Learned. Uh, I have another project for US Gamer, that I'm in the process of of writing now. Uh, My deadline is two weeks from now, so probably not expect it until May. But if you know me at all, you probably have a good idea of what it might be, and I'll just leave it there. And then other than that, you can find my videos at um, YouTube. Do a search for annotated games, and you'll find the Symphony of the Night project and the ongoing Third Strike project.
2: You will find find no better videos on Street Fighter III on the entire internet, and I'm including the most legendary Evo
1: fight of all time, everybody. (laughs) Including it. Johns are the best. Uh, John's Symphony of the Night uh, series is actually really excellent. That's uh, so. Good. Thank you. It's just so good. Thank
0: you.
2: Uh, if you want to find me, I, I guess I guess this is the thing. When spring arrives, I return on US Gamer. That's I think that's the tradition that's happening mm-hmm. at this point. I return in Acts of the Blood God, <laughs> the perennial Agnello Uh The bear is come out of hibernation. The bear is <laughs> You know, the the
0: bees swarmed to the flowers and Anthony Anthony John Agnello.
2: Anthony John Agnello returns upstream to catch salmon (laughs) at their spawning
0: grounds. Right.
2: Uh, You can find me on Twitter at A. John Agnello. And you can find me every single day at escapistmagazine.com, where I am managing editor. I also have a review of Sekiro, and by the time this is up, I will also have an essay that I want to point everyone to that is titled, I'm working on it right now. As soon as I'm done with these guys, I'm going to finish it. It's called, Sekiro is only the second best ninja game Frost Software has ever made. I know where this is going Because it's. this week is the 10th anniversary of Ninja Blade, dogs That (laughs) game kicks ass You kick a wrecking ball into a
1: giant spider's face
0: (laughs) Come on As one does
2: Best game
1: Yeah, uh, as the ancients did As the ancients did
0: did. (laughs) Alright
2: everybody, thank you for listening And uh, subscribe to Acts of the Blood Gods newsletter Because it kicks ass Please do Alright, everybody. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye.